Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Hello, everybody out in the cafe as well. And it's good to be back with you guys. A lot of you said, I hope you had a great vacation. And I want you to know that I wasn't on vacation. And when you say that, I'll smile. But on the inside, I hate you a little bit. I just let you know that. Um, what we've been doing, uh, you guys may or may not know that Grace is a part of a network of churches across the world. So there's about 3,000 uh, churches in that network across the world. <clears throat> and Grace is the largest church in that network. So what you guys do in uh, usually the middle, middle of the summer is you loan us out to that network. So I go out quite a bit and speak and lead and train and help other pastors. You do that with Ezra, uh, with Brad and Todd and, and a lot of our staff. So that's what I've been doing is uh, been out and about. And all those pictures you see on social media, it's not my fault that my job is fun. I'm just saying uh, that's what it is. So I'm going on vacation for a month next week. So it's really good to be with you. I'm joking. Uh, I wish, but anyways, pain. But it's, um, it's good to be home and I'm glad to see you guys. I'm really excited that we're going to start a new series this weekend. I'm excited to get into this conversation and uh, we're going to talk about how to live with other humans without losing your mind. And the reason we're doing this is because relationships are tied directly to the heart of God. So when we talk about relationships here at Grace, uh, we're not talking about that in like a self-helpy kind of a way. So it's not like three steps for a happy marriage or you know, five ways to straighten your teenager out kind of a thing. When we talk about relationships, we're talking actually about our interaction with God. You cannot separate your interaction with people away from your interaction with God, those two things are tied together and it's God who tied them together. So that's why we talk about relationships so much because people, humans, are at the heart of God. They are kind of the, we are the focal point of his passion and his desire. And so you can't talk about God without talking about each other and you can't talk about each other without talking about God and that's why we would prioritize uh, these conversations the way that we do. Now, let me just show you this a little bit. Uh, the, my premise is this, that the greatest joys and the greatest pain of life always come through human beings, right? So the greatest joys in our life, the greatest pains of our life always come through our interactions with, with other humans. So let me just take a quick survey. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have been deeply hurt by another human being. Raise your hand. See? Uh, raise your hand if the happiest parts of your life come through other human beings. Raise your hand. If you're a husband, if you didn't raise your hand, you are dead <laughs> me. And we're going to go back to question number one. And if she raises your hand, you just give up, right? So it's, now here, let's take it a step deeper. Raise your hand if God, if you understand God in a better way because of another human being. Somebody else showed you compassion, forgiveness, generosity, someone. Raise your hand if somebody demonstrated God to you, right? That's how we learn about God. That's how it makes sense to us. Now, here's a, a negative side of it. Raise your hand if your view of God has been tainted or distorted by another human being, right? See how that works? And, and that's, that's the deal. We're made in the image of God. God is a relational being. He's in relationship with himself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's in a relationship with us. We're made in the image of God, so we're relational. That is not like a, a social issue or a cultural issue. That is a humanity issue. Human beings are drawn to other human beings. And we find love and we find acceptance and we meet pain and abandonment. 
All those things are how God created us to be. So when you read the Bible, the Bible's a relational book, it's not a theology book. And so it's about our relationship with God and then God talking about his relationship, our relationship with each other. And that is a, that is a God-designed thing. That's not a, like uh, Oprah needs something to talk about kind of a thing. It's a God-designed thing, right? Now let me show you this. This is, this is the bottom line. I put this in your notes if you wanna read it. The bottom line is this. God created us in such a manner that we cannot fully understand him without other people being central to our lives. And we can't understand other people without Christ being central to our lives. You can't separate the two things. You can't silo them out. And Jesus is the one who makes this kind of crystal clear and a found, the foundational piece of his teaching. The central directive of Christ is what we call the great commandment. And one of the places it's found is in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus says this. Guy comes to Jesus as teacher. What's the greatest command in the law? So he's saying, nutshell following God for me. Boil it down to its basic core. Jesus says, okay, here it is. The basic commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus says that if you're gonna follow me, this is the, the bottom line, right? This is the nutshell. Love me first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is like the first. It's related to the first. It can't be separated out from the first. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he, make, he says this really fascinating sentence at the end. He says, all the law and all the prophets hang on that. Love God, love people. He, Jesus, in essence, is saying, the rest of the Bible, if you don't love me, and if you don't love your neighbor, then the rest of the Bible doesn't make sense. If you don't love me and, and love your neighbor, then your understanding of God will never make sense. You can only frame your love of God properly. Everything hangs on this, loving me and loving people. And in essence, what Jesus is saying is, if you love me, you will love people. Because you can't love me you can't have my heart, you can't follow my teachings, you can't become like me, you can't be defined and directed by me and not love people because that's what I love the most. I stepped out of heaven and came to earth because my father asked me to because we love human beings. I lived so that I would make sense to human beings. I died, suffered, rose again to provide forgiveness and salvation, a way of escape for human beings. The focal point of my life, the apple of my eye, the passion of my heart are human beings. And if you love me and follow me, that's what yours will be also because I'll give you my heart. You can't talk about God without talking about our relationships with each other. And you can't talk about our relationships with each other without talking about God. And that's why we talk about this all the time, right? It's not just so you get along better, it's so that you understand, we understand, and we do the things that God has called us to do. And you can look in the Bible and you can, you can find that super duper quick and super duper easy, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna press into this a little bit for the next few weeks. And what we're gonna press in specifically, when, when you look at our relationships with God and our relationships with each other, and you kind of boil that down to the DNA level, one of the things that you're gonna find in that DNA level, there's an element of relationship with God and with each other 
that you must have in place in order to have a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with other people. This element is an element that is familiar, but it's usually misunderstood. It's often misunderstood. It's an element that is often offered and accepted in an incomplete fashion. We kind of throw it around, but we don't finish it. We don't take it to its fullness, so to say. It's an element that is often offered to one another in a very insincere way, especially in our culture. We would kind of throw it out in an insincere way. It's an element that can never be demanded from someone, but can always be given freely to someone. I can't demand it, but I can always extend it. It's the key element in our relationship with God. You pull this element out, you can't have a relationship with God. And it's the leading indicator in our hearts that we've actually received a relationship with God. So you take a relationship with each other, relationship with God, boil it down to its DNA, and you will find this element in it. And it is one of the key elements, the most critical elements to living with other humans without losing your mind. And it's the element of forgiveness. Forgiveness. If I don't receive forgiveness and extend forgiveness, I can't interact with God and I can't interact with other human beings in a healthy way. Now, the Bible has a ton to say about forgiveness. So this is, this is not hard to find in the Bible at all. Uh, you do, a, do a Google forgiveness and Bible verses and, and your screen will blow up, right? They're just all over the place. And that's, that's the easy stuff. So when you go through the Bible, you'll see all kinds of stuff. Here's some I put down in, I think they're in your notes, just stuff like this. Uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Colossians, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, Matthew 18, uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you that I tell you not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. First uh, Corinthians 13, love, love is patient, it's kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Here it is. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. So you can read the Bible, just like skim it, and you're gonna find forgiveness as a major theme that pulls all the way through the Bible, literally from the beginning in Genesis to the very end of Revelation. And that's the easy pickings. If you read deeper, it just screams at you. Forgiveness, God's forgiveness, you've been forgiven, you need to forgive, it, it, it's just all over the place. So in these next four or five weeks, my goal is not to prove to you that the Bible says we should forgive each other, right? Because I just did, it took like three minutes, easy peasy. It's not whether or not it's in there. It's not the, the directive of forgiveness, it's the practice of it that's so stinking hard, right? Like we all would know, I just showed you, like, and, and the question is not like, does God want me to forgive? Of course he does. It's how in the world do I do that, right? That, that's hard, that's confusing. I, I'm, I, it's like complicated. 
So how do we practice forgiveness in our relationship with God, receiving it, and in our relationship with each other, extending it? And how do we walk that through? And that's really where we're gonna set up here for a few weeks, is we're gonna kinda dig through those layers a little bit and work through the complications and the confusion because this is vital to our understanding of God and it's vital to our relationship with each other. So what I wanna do this weekend is, is we're gonna go through and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in like three foundation stones. That's what we're gonna put in this weekend. And then over the next weeks, we're gonna dig like down deep on each one of those kind of the different layers of the way that forgiveness works. We're gonna talk about like the getting rid of the small stuff, it, when, when you have a real offense, how do you deal with that, all the way down to life-changing injustice. When somebody absolutely victimized me, what do I do with it? So we'll drill down on that. But we need to frame it a little bit or, or we'll kind of go all over the place with it. So let me, let me walk us through that. Here are these three foundation stones and they're gonna kind of set the pillars in place for the rest of our conversation for this series. So here's the first one. Grab your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is page 688 in uh, your Bibles. And if you wanna use your electronic device, download the app, go out to the app store, get it on your Apple product or your, anything that's Android based. Uh, and that's the only two it works in. If you don't have Apple or Android, I really, you probably need Jesus. I don't know what to tell you. Ask your grandma if you can borrow her Blackberry and go from there. So Apple or Android, grab the app, hit live on there and all the notes and everything will be there. Your connection cards, there's a really cool app. So get that, okay? Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 21. Then Peter came and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some of the older translations say 70 times seven. That verse we read a few minutes ago, but let's sit on it here for a minute. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times do I have to do this, okay? And this is the kind of where Peter was coming from. Peter was an ancient Jewish person, so was Jesus. They're both Jewish guys who grew up under Jewish law and the Jewish law at the time taught that you only had to forgive a person three times. And once that you'd forgiven them three times, you could be done with them, all right? So it was three strikes, you're out. It, actually, it's where baseball was invented from, right there. Just look it up, right? Google it, it'll tell you, right? So three times, right? you do it once, forgive you, twice, forgive you, three times, forgive you, four times, you're done. You're dead to me. So when Peter goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, should I forgive seven times? In Peter's mind, he's being magnanimous in that. Like, I, I really am spiritual. I really, I'm, I, I like to go above and beyond, you know? And he's like, if I double it plus one, would, would that please you? And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, no, it's 77 times or seven times seven. It, he, Jesus is exaggerating. It'd be like if we said, hey, I've told you a million times to do that. That's what Jesus is saying. No, you do it a million times. And he's looking at Peter and saying, no, actually, you never stop forgiving someone, okay? It's a limitless thing. Now, here's your first foundation stone. Here it is, ready? Forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit that is motivated by a realization. It's huge. Forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit 
that is motivated by realization. We gotta lock this foundation stone in. What Jesus is in essence saying to Peter is, you're never done, forgiveness is a habit, it's not an act. Here's the thing, guys, if you have to forgive someone of something, you, you never forgive a person once, never. You're never one and done, right? It's not the way it works. There is no such thing as forgive and forget. We have that saying, like forgive and forget. There's no such thing as forgive and forget because we can't forget. I, I, can't, I can't not not remember what you did to me. So when you hurt me, every time the ramifications of what you did to me come up in front of me, I have to forgive you again. There's no such thing as one and done. There's no such thing as forgive and forget. And the, the more painful the offense, the more I'm going to have to forgive you. It becomes a habit or an instinct is what Jesus was saying, right? So if you, hurt, if you do something to me that's a shallow thing, right? You, you bump into me after service and you spill coffee on me, right? And, and, and you're like, oh, Pastor Jeff, I'm so, so sorry. I can look at you and I can say, that's not a problem, it's not a problem. After, after I get over these second, third degree burns, we're, you know, we're, we're good, right? And you may come back, you may go get some paper towels and come back and say, I'm really, really sorry. And I'll look at you and say, it's really not a problem. And honestly, by like tonight, we're done. Like, I, I'm not really offended. I appreciate your apology. It's not that big of a deal. I only had to forgive you two or three times, we're done. Now you hurt Heidi, my wife, or you, if you really wanna tick me off, hurt my kids. It's a very different conversation. And you might come to me and say, Jeff, I'm, I, I did blah, blah. I'm truly sorry. You know what, I forgive you. I love you, I forgive you. But then I'm gonna go home and the ramifications of what you did are going to go with me. So I'm gonna be watching television, I'm gonna think of what you did, and the temptation to be bitter or angry or to act in a slanderous way or malicious way is going to creep up again, and I'm going to have to forgive you again. And then I'm gonna go say goodnight to the kids and my daughter's gonna cry and then I'm really gonna have to forgive you. The boys, I don't care that much about, but my daughter, I'm I'm really gonna have to, see how that works? The deeper you hurt me, the more habitually I have to forgive you. It's not a one and done, there's no such thing. It's a habit, it's an instinct. And we have to see forgiveness through that lens. It's a very important foundation piece. It's not an act as much as it is a habit that's motivated by a realization. And this is what Jesus knows about us. Jesus knows that we don't forget things. So what he does is he tells us what, what he gives us our motivation to forgive habitually. Look at places like Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, a real succinct place where the apostle Paul says is, he says, forgiving each other as Christ and God has forgiven you. Aha, uh-huh. there's a, act, a habit, not an act, it's a habit, it's motivated by a realization. What's the realization? The realization is, is that God, Jesus, forgives me habitually. I forgive as I've been forgiven, and Christ continually forgives me, right? Can you imagine if Jesus was like three strikes, you're out? 
right? You're like, I had a lustful thought. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, I just had another one. Sorry about that. Oh, I had another one. Sorry about that. Ah, now I'm going to hell, right? It, it, what if it's three strikes you're out? Because you can't stop yourself. I have a lustful thought and I have another one. Now I have another one. Now I'm having them because Jeff keeps saying lustful thoughts, right? And, it, and so God keeps forgiving us. It is, ready? It is the nature of our relationship with him. And Jesus looks and says, yeah, that's how you live in relationship with other people. It's not an act. You don't forget. Nobody forgets. And the more deeply the wound, the more you're going to remember. But I'm choosing to forgive in a habitual way. And that's what he's talking to Peter about. First thing, it's not an act. It's a habit motivated by realization. Here's the second kind of foundation so we want to put in. Here's the second thing, right? Forgiveness is an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion. Flip over your Bibles to the right, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four. And look at verse 31, and here it is. Ephesians 4.31, God says... Get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, this is a directive from God, not a result of following him. Isn't it fascinating? So look at it. It's a directive. Get rid of all. That's a, that's a to-do. You get rid of all. And instead of being anger, angry and brawling center mouth, you be compassionate and kind. It's a directive, it's not a result. So we would read a passage like that sometimes and we would think, you know, if I walked close enough with God and if I was a good enough Christian, which there isn't one, but let's just say, and if I was spiritual enough, my bitterness, anger, rage, brawling center malice would go away but it doesn't, why? Because you have a memory. So God says, you put it away. Now for us, especially in our culture, that sounds impossible because we tend to think of forgiveness as an emotion. We don't think of it as a choice. So we would read that passage and we would say in our minds, how can God tell me to feel a certain way? I can't control my feelings, which by the way isn't true, but that's what we would argue with God. I can't, how, I can't help that I feel angry. I can't help that I'm bitter against that person. Why would God tell me to do away with a feeling that I can't control? Well, what if in the very foundation of what God's telling you to do how we presuppose forgiveness works is wrong. What if forgiveness is an act of the will? What if you can choose? What if you are able to replace? Especially as a follower of Jesus Christ is being transformed into his likeness and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is a bunch of church talk, but it's all right there. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. It's a decision that you can participate in, which is encouraging. It means that you can change your life, 
God will empower you to help you do that, but you actually have some skin in the game. Now, why would God say that? Because let me show you real quick, let's just talk for a second about how unforgiveness works. Unforgiveness is something that builds on itself. So when you do something to me and I refuse to forgive you for it, it's gonna lock on. When you do the next thing, I'm gonna add to it. When you do the next thing, I'm gonna add to it. When you do the next thing, I'm gonna add to it. I'm gonna add to it, I'm gonna add to it until that lack of forgiveness crushes me. Now bitterness, anger, slander, brawling, rage defines me. And God says, you know what? You can actually subtract from it and work it through. And that's all we're gonna say about that because that's our whole conversation next weekend. And we're gonna talk about how that works and how to rid yourself, how to not keep a record of wrongs. And you're gonna see that foundational piece play out in a big way. And you're gonna love it, it's gonna help you, it's gonna change your life and you're gonna be glad that I came back from vacation. I mean work, all right? So, okay? But to get that core piece in, right? Forgiveness, Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an emotional response. Let's lock that one in. So you got foundation block one, foundation block two. Here's the third one. The third foundation block we need to get in place to frame up our conversation is this idea that at the core, forgiveness is not about our relationship with other people. It's about our relationship with God. At the core, forgiveness is not about our relationship with other people. It's about our relationship with God. Go back to the left in your Bibles, to, again to Matthew, but earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, verse 14. We read this one earlier too. This is a very difficult teaching from Jesus. And we'll glance off of it this week a little bit and then we'll dig at it here in a couple weeks. Here it is, verse 14, Jesus' words All of them, he says this, verse 14, chapter six, Matthew. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. Pretty intense. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And what is Jesus saying and why? And let's just glance at it for a second. At the core of what Jesus is saying is, if I am unwilling to forgive other people, it's because I do not have a perspective on myself. I'm not seeing myself the way that I need to see myself. Therefore, I'm not receiving from God what I so desperately need, okay? You guys, uh, on Facebook or uh, YouTube or whatever, you guys know what Walmart people are? You know, well, you ever see those videos, like some, somebody's being a jerk to somebody at Walmart and they'll take like these weird pictures of weird people at Walmart, right? Google it, you'll, you know what I mean, right? Or maybe don't, but it's Walmart people. So a couple of uh, weeks ago, um, Heidi and I, we did take a couple days off and uh, our friends loaned us their, uh, they have a house on the lake. And they said, you wanna go use the house for a couple of days? We're like, yeah, we'll go do that. So we went down to the lake and uh, went jet skiing and tubing. By the way, if you've never pulled your children behind a tube on a jet ski and flipped them off of it and watched them skim across the water like a rock, you have missed one of the great joys of parenting. You really need to do that sometime in your life. 
And so we were having a blast and we kind of did that all day. And we got to the end of the day and uh, I was putting the boats away and was all sweaty because of, uh, it was hot out and, you know, just messing around. And I kind of smelled like the lake, you know, I didn't have a chance to get a shower yet. And I went inside, I was all wet, and Heidi said, oh, I, you know, we remember that so, one of the kids, so-and-so needs to be at such and such in the morning. She goes, w- would you be willing to run them home and I'll stay the night here with the rest of the kids and pick up in the morning, blah, blah, So I was like, sure, no big deal, but I'm all wet. And so I, I went in and I found this pair of shorts that are like four times too big for me. And I have these baggy, like it looked like a, like a burlap sack that I had on, put these on. And then it was, uh, it's like, nine o'clock at night, but we hadn't eaten yet, so we had made brats, and I had a t-shirt, and I took a bite of the brat, and the brat just shot grease all over me, so I had like a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt, a little Tim McGraw shout out there, but, right, so I'm just like a mess, and then I had boat hair, you ever have boat hair, you know, and your hair's just sticking up, you're like wind burned, you know, so I'm just like this hot mess, but I'm just gonna go home, right, and so I told my son, I was like, hop in a car, let's go, and so we're driving home, now it's 10, 11 o'clock at night, we finally get home, right before I pull in the driveway, Heidi called me, and she said, I forgot to tell you the dogs don't have any food. The dogs don't have any food. And Heidi and I have two, like 200 pound mastiffs and they get hangry. You've got to feed them or they'll eat people. And so they, she's like, you gotta feed the dogs. And so I dropped my son off and he went into bed and I'm like, I go get dog food. So I go to Walmart and it's like 11.30 at night, right? So I go to Walmart. I go into the pet food section and I get three 40 pound bags of dog food. So I got like 120 pounds of dog food in my cart and I get in line and everything's slow because there's like one cashier at that hour of night and I'm standing there and I got in line behind a Walmart person. I'm like, there, there's, there's one. I can't believe it. Like I've seen one, right? And it was this lady and her hair was like everywhere and her makeup was like vintage 1984 kind of a thing. And she had like a, a t-shirt with a stain on it and she had these sweats and the sweats were like dirty and had holes in them, didn't fit her right. And she's buying cat stuff, right? And just, I have no love nor does Jesus for cats. And so it's like cat food, cat treats, cat toys, like a scratching phone, like just cat stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here's a Walmart person. And she's buying all this cat food stuff. She looks horrible. Her hair's a mess. She's dirty. The clothes don't fit. And, and she's like, you know she's going home to her cat horde. Like she's got like 50 cats at home. And I thought she probably drives a Subaru because for some reason cat people drive Subarus. You look at a Subaru, it's always got a, some sticker of some animal on it. It's just the way that works. And I'm like, I just can't believe it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm glad I'm not like her. <laughs> I am so, like I'm totally looking at her. I'm like, I, you know who I am? I am Dr. Jeffrey A. Bogue, right? I am mostly middle class. I'm very important in my own mind. And, and I just thought, that, that's who I am. And so she checks out and I go up to the cashier and he's like, wow, <laughs> how much dog food are you buying? And I'm like, I realize, I'm like, I am buying food for my pet horde and I have messed up hair, I have grease on me, my clothes don't fit, and I drive a Subaru. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a Walmart person. It, it's, what, it's what I am, right? And I kind of am actually, to be honest with you. I love Walmart, right? It is so easy to see other people 
and so difficult to see ourselves. And that's what Jesus is actually talking about in Matthew. He's looking at us, he's saying, listen, it, guys, if you're unwilling to forgive the way people sin against you, that means you have never actually received my forgiveness. Because my people, who are called by my name, who are filled with my spirit, who have given their life to loving, obeying, and being fully devoted to their master, my disciples, you know them because they love people the way that they've been loved. And if there's one thing that's true of me, I don't withhold forgiveness from you. In fact, I stepped out of heaven. In fact, I lived on earth. In fact, I suffered. In fact, I died. In fact, I suffocated on the cross in my own bodily fluid solely to forgive you of your sin. And when you purposely withhold, when you decide I am going to be bitter, I am going to be angry, I am going to withhold love, I am going to act maliciously, I'm going to slander, you're not my child. Your sins haven't been forgiven. You transform people, act like me. And that doesn't reflect me in any way, shape, or form. Now listen, everybody look at me, catch this. I'm not talking about it being hard. I'm talking about us being unwilling. And forgiveness at its core actually has very little to do with the people around me and what they do or don't do to me. It has everything to do with my interaction with Christ and what I have received or rejected from him, and that's why Jesus said that. He came out strong and he says, look, you can't, you can't love God and hate your brother. You can't be filled with kindness and compassion and joy and bitterness, rage, anger, slander, and malice at the same time, because when you receive my forgiveness, I flush that out of you. Now. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. That's in James chapter one. I didn't say it wasn't hard. I said that the people of God instinctually seek to do it. It's what I wanna do. It's what I need to do. I have to because of the way that I have been forgiven. It's huge, it's huge. There's nothing self-helpy about it. We're not gonna have a five-week marriage seminar. This is at the very, very core of our interaction with God and how we interact with God, how he interacts with us, and the transformation that that brings about in our lives. Lack of forgiveness kills our relationship with other people because it has killed our relationship with God. And we have to start there with who is Christ and how am I responding to him, right?
Now listen, I promise you my goal in the next few weeks is not to prove to you that you're supposed to forgive people. I, we already did it. You, you cannot even read the Bible and miss it. It's, it's that easy, right? My goal in the next few weeks is to walk us through how do we do this, because that's hard. It's hard, it's confusing, it's difficult. So forgiveness, forgiveness is not enabling people. It's totally different. Forgiveness is not the same as mercy. It's a, it's a different thing. Forgiveness is not the suspension of justice. So I can forgive you and you still can have consequences in your life, right? They're not necessarily intertwined. Forgiveness is not being passive. It's not being a doormat and having everybody walk on you. That's not what forgiveness is. But forgiveness, why it's so important, forgiveness is the heart of Christ and it is completely necessary for the sanity of humanity. You're gonna go nuts. You will go nuts if you do not weave forgiveness into your relationships with each other. If you live with, work with, are married to, are friends with, play sports with, go to school with, or in any way, shape, or form interact with a human being, you need to learn this stuff, right? Because it defines us and it directs us and it's a critical part of who God called us to uh, be. And guys, I'm confident of this. I'm confident that in the next few weeks, if you'll open up your hearts and minds and just really, as we peel this apart, we'll get to the whys and the how-tos. I'm confident it'll change your life, truly. It'll release you of certain things. It'll alter the way that you interact with people. It'll change your relationship with your spouse, with your ex, with your kids, with your, everybody, right? Because when I say a person needs to be forgiven or a person has hurt you, you put an image to that phrase instantly. It's the way that we are. We're not made to forget, but we are created to forgive, right? And God will help us with that. Now, I think this weekend, as we walk away, this is where we need to camp, okay? So I told you, it's broad over you. We, we really just glanced at these passages. There's so much more there, and we're gonna dig at them, but in a broad overview, we're just looking for those three things, okay? And we're gonna kind of build the house off of those cornerstones, so to say, okay? Where we have to start this weekend is with us, because remember, forgiveness is much more about our relationship with God than our relationship with other people. So in order to really embrace forgiveness, I have to receive forgiveness first. I have to realize that I am the one above all others who needs to be forgiven. That frames our relationship with God. Our relationship with God, it starts with the acknowledgement of my sin I have rebelled against God. I am not a good person. In my heart of hearts, I am wicked. And that is egregious to God. And I ask Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. It starts with me needing forgiveness. And then that's what starts in my relationships with other people. I am, as, mu as much as I think Heidi sins against me, and she does, she's a sinner, you wouldn't believe it. I'll put it on the internet later so you can read it, right? Heidi married a jerk. Don't say amen, that's not nice at all, right? <laughs> Heidi, she married a jerk. And my, the key to a healthy marriage is not Heidi getting her act together, it's Jeff embracing 
my own sin and understanding that I am the sinner. My kids are sinners, horrible sinners, right? Their dad is a jerk. The key to a healthy relationship with my kids, the key to a healthy friendship, the key to our relationship, it, it starts with me and I am the one who needs to be forgiven, right? So that's the walk away for this weekend that I want us to take some time and kind of download with God. And I encourage you guys as we kind of sit and pray for a minute to think that through. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that relationship with God starts with asking for the forgiveness of your sin and allowing God to define and direct you instead of yourself. If you are a follower of Jesus, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us, so we would ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us, to bring it to mind, right? Where am I a sinner? Where do I need to start asking for forgiveness? And let's just work on us first, right? And from that foundation, our relationship with God, who we are, our need for forgiveness, will work out from there. All right, I'm gonna ask the band to come up. As they settle in, I'm gonna pray, and as after I pray, they're gonna play some songs, and take those few minutes of kind of stillness. Talk to God, if you're not sure what to say, then say the words to the song. Use the songs as prayers, okay? But ask God to get inside of your head and your heart a little bit, and let's start that journey between him and you, all right? Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. God, help us to see ourselves for who we are, Lord. Not to see with clarity other people, but to see with clarity ourselves. And help us not to be people who look in the mirror and walk away unchanged, but to humbly accept your word planted in us and to be changed by it. Thank you, Jesus, for your passion to forgive us, the sacrifice you made to forgive us. And God, let that love be what defines us, shapes us, and reflects through us. We love you, Jesus, in these quiet moments, God, work deeply in our hearts. It's in your name we pray, amen.